Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 650 with a review of Promising Young Woman. I'm Christopher Schnasey. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, this week, we're going to have two reviews for you. This one of Promising Young Woman and also a review of News, News of the World. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which we also watched. It's a very unmemorable title, I have to say. Like, there's something about it where it just feels like wrong. And I kept getting it confused too. With uh, I don't even remember what I'm getting it confused with. There's another movie uh, that we are planning on catching at Sundance that has like a similar yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. World makes an appearance. I don't, yeah, I, don't yeah. Know. I, I, I was definitely doing the same thing, which I also don't remember it now, specifically because <laughs> of this news of the world thing. The world to come. That's the other one. Yeah, world to come. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Promising Young Woman is a film that, well, at times it might take some humorous, dark humor tones. It is a very serious film. So to start this episode off, I wanted to give you a softball question um, just to get us going in this episode. Is that cool, Stephen? Sure. All right. So, Stephen, the trailer and the film itself both feature a string version of Britney Spears' uh, Toxic. Uh, yeah. My question for you, my softball question is, do you think they missed the opportunity to go with Billie Eilish's bad guy? <laughs> Duh. Um, yes, and I can't think. Of, I can't think of a follow-up joke. No, no, that, that, that's good. That was a great string rendition, by the way. Like, I when the moment it started, because it it begins kind of like gently, and you just hear, and I was like, are they doing it? Oh hell yeah! And then like the whole song opens yeah, up. Yeah. I, I assume then you haven't you hadn't watched the trailer before you watched it. I hadn't no. Okay, because it's definitely in there as well. So I was I was actually surprised that it made it into the the real film. Because sometimes you know, there's a song featured heavily in a trailer, and then you're like waiting for it to appear in the film, and it never does. I was like, oh, right, nice. They actually brought it in. Cool. Yep. Like I remember, was it Watchmen that had Mad World in the trailer? Like there was something where that like slowed down version of Mad World was very prominently <laughs> featured in a trailer, and I remember for like two months it was all I could hear, and then it didn't show up in the movie. I, <laughs> was it? I think it was one of those songs was used in a Gears of War trailer. <laughs> I don't know. If that's it could have been a video thinking. game trailer. I don't know. <laughs> We're recording in the afternoon. I'm all thrown out. It, it, it's this is this a weird day? It's unusual yeah, yeah. for us. For sure. Um, but yeah, what do you say, Stephen, when you get into this episode? Sure, let's do it. Whisper something in your ear. Good God almighty. You know, they put themselves in danger, girls like that. It was a perverted thing to say. You'd think you'd learn by that age, right? When he's lay down. What are you doing? It's okay. Hey, you're silent. What are you doing? Hey, I said, what are you doing? Every week, I go to a club. I act like I'm too drunk to stand. And every week, a nice guy comes over to see if I'm okay. You okay? You are so pretty. I am a nice guy. Are you? One, two, three, four. I thought we had a connection. Okay. How old am I? What are my hobbies? What's my name? 
Sorry, maybe that one's too hard. Cassandra, <laughs> we're in class together at Forest. You would have been a great doctor. What happened? I left under unusual circumstances. You remember what happened, right? Why I dropped out. I'm not the only one who didn't believe it. We get accusations like this all the time. Who needs brains? They never did a girl any good. I'm so sorry I didn't go with her. You gotta let it go. What are you gonna do? I don't know. Why do you guys have to ruin everything? We were kids. If I hear that one more time, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was hoping you'd feel differently by now. It's every guy's worst nightmare getting accused like that. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? I wanted to be a doctor my whole life. Lately, I've been feeling like I might want to get back into it. All right, so that was the trailer for A Promising Young Woman. Um, it is about a 30-year-old woman who lives at home, and uh, on the weekends, she goes out and pretends to be um, incredibly drunk so that uh, you know predatory men will pick, try to pick her up and take her home and then confronts them. And it's sort of about this, this thing that she's doing and uh, how her MO might change as new information comes to light for her. And uh, yeah. Stephen Miller, what did you think of Promising Young Woman? Uh, so at the outset, you mentioned that while this is a darkly funny film at times, it is also very serious. And I think that like that tension between when it wants to be very darkly humorous and when it wants to be very serious is very, very compelling in this movie. It kind of, it rides this line where it never lets you get too comfortable with either thing. Like when, uh, when it opens, it plays as if it were going to be a kind of Heathers or something movie. Like this is going to like go big. It's going to be very violent. It's going to be the kind of, you know, like even the title card and everything, it feels very old school. And you think like this might become a slasher film or like a vigilante superhero movie. Um, and when it opens too, there are mostly comic actors are playing all the roles. Like, like there's a shot in a bar where it's like everyone is famous and like, like, multiple people it just seems like random comedians around la that they had joined this movie um yeah. and i thought like okay i'm i'm about to watch a like very pulpy kind of like good time revenge flick cool i'm ready for this and then the movie the movie takes you on a roller coaster um so all that to say, I think this movie is great. Um, I thought it was really, really cool. I think Carrie Mulligan is fantastic in this movie. Like she, the looks she serves up in this movie are just like incredible. <laughs> like, like she can hold, <laughs> she can anchor a scene just by giving a particular look and this kind of sly way she has to like manipulate different people. Um, yeah. she, she just does a really, really good job of it. Uh, I also thought Bo Burnham was great in this movie, too. Uh, and he has a kind of challenging role he has to fill, which I don't want to get into too much why it's challenging, because that's part yeah, of yeah. the fun of this movie. Um, but yeah, I, like, I thought this was a really interesting movie that rather than do the thing where you start small and then accelerate into mayhem, this movie kind of like starts with mayhem and then slowly surprises you by being a more grounded narrative than you would have expected at the beginning. Um, 
at least but <laughs> i think i know what you're implying <laughs> yeah yeah like basically there there are multiple forks in the road where this movie could do the wild revenge for revenge sake thing and then it decides to go in another direction instead um and like i thought it was very effective at doing that uh i think so this is a feature debut i think by emerald fennel and that like clearly this is a person who knows what tone they want to strike like for sure a very confident filmmaker i i was yeah i was really into it i thought it was it always kept me on my the edge of my seat because Carrie Mulligan, the character she plays, you can never really know what to expect from her. Like the movie takes its time dishing out what exactly she is doing and why she is doing it and what are the limits that she is willing to go to, um, to, I thought, really good effect. Um, a criticism I would have of this movie is... So this is very provocative. Like it's dealing with a, you know, very clear subject of abusive men or men who take advantage of women under the influence of alcohol. And it kind of goes through all the different litanies of ways people try to excuse or throw that kind of behavior, you know, brush it aside. Like you kind of have characters that are traced very cleanly as like, this is what the friend would say to back someone up. This is what the authority figure would say to be complicit in it. This is what the lawyer would say to be complicit in it. And Almost always the character will say at least one thing that is very damning in a very obvious way. Like that is the line. I know what this character represents now. Now I feel okay not having empathy for them anymore. And I think the movie with a number of characters could have been less damning and still had the retribution happen. And I think it would have been more provocative if we were willing to do that. Maybe we'll have like a slight spoiler section. I can talk more about what I mean. Um, yeah. But I think like for a movie that is like happily willing to burn down, you know, the, the male establishment in this movie and the people who prop them up, I kind of felt like it still played it safer than it needed to in terms of painting out who are the real villains and who are not. Um, so that's just a, a, a slight thought, but otherwise yeah, I mean, this is a surprising movie that takes a couple left turns, including a really good romance uh, montage, um, <laughs> among other things. Like, like this movie just, it, it is dealing with a very serious subject, but it is like, it's addressing all that like difficult material and also giving you a lot of sometimes fun, sometimes zany sometimes heavy like it, it it's just a roller coaster of different tones and and that keeps it always being interesting even when it sometimes paints its bill, villains a little bit more you know one-dimensional than i felt like it would need to yeah um i i think i am way less hot on this film um than you i think that this is this is the type of film where uh it's hard for me to watch a film that i think plays in a certain um charged uh topic but then doesn't actually comment on that topic um it, it feels like this film is it, it's trying to be provocative and i think that while it does that it's for me it feels it feels like it's not saying a lot other than the fact that like like there are no nice guys all the guys are bad and also the system and other guys will try to protect the guys in all the situations and it's like i understand that you don't have to repeatedly show it to me I'm on board with your thesis, 
now comment on it and do something about that, right? Like, um, I don't know if you've if you've watched I May Destroy You on HBO. Um, no, I haven't. But it is a fantastic series that really it really takes like the topic of consent and goes, I'm going to go through every single permutation of it that you've probably never, ever thought of and just lay it out for you for you to deal with it. And then you can have conversations after every episode about what took place in the episode. And it's it's really it's a it's a it's a show that sort of like it's impossible not to deal with what you just watched once you're done watching it. And, and I think it's I think it's brilliant. And I've never seen a show handle these topics in that way. This is a film that there's no gray anywhere in this film. Right. Like everything is yeah. clearly black and white and there is no. There is no equating anything to anything else. There is just, I'm going out. I'm clearly too drunk for these guys to try to pick me up. And now I'm confronting them. The, the guys that she confronts are never remorseful. They seem more betrayed that she's pretending to be drunk than like that. Then they're actually learning a lesson from what is happening to them. And, and it feels like this film, it, it feels, it feels like it's a film that you're supposed to have popcorn at and then watch it in a crowded auditorium and be like, yeah, I got you, sucker. Like every time a guy right. gets caught, right? Um, which is a weird tone. Like I, I, something bugged me about the level of dark comedy in this film. Like, because generally, ge- what the, the, the type of dark comedy that I actually vibe with a lot is where like the situation is so uncomfortable that it becomes funny. But this is playfully handling like the first time she confronts fronts somebody, it smash cuts to her eating a hot dog, <laughs> which right. is like like clearly that is a visual gag. Right. I mean, it's a double visual gag because first you see ketchup and you're supposed to assume so it's I didn't blood. know what she was eating. I thought jelly donut, but I'll, I'll believe you that it's a hot dog. It's, it's, de- it's definitely it. a, it's definitely a hot dog. <laughs> um, and anytime a guy gets conf- confronted, he breaks down into comedic crying where he's he's clearly supposed to be acting like he's a blubbering mess. And it's it feels like a very much like throw popcorn at the screen kind of response right. to them getting caught. And it's like that tonal shift constantly didn't it didn't work for me as much because I'm like, this is really like uncomfortable, followed by like, I'm laughing at this guy because he's such a douche now. Right. And and, and I, I think it's kind of it's kind of. I don't know something about it that that whole back and forth didn't work for me because I'm like watching a serious film <laughs> that is dealing with a serious subject. And then I'm like, is this is is this being played for a laugh right now? And then maybe that's just like because I'm I recognize those people as somebody who would be doing something laughing that when they when they break down, I just don't buy it as a sincere. I'm scared right now. And it feels like a joking them realizing that they're caught. And I don't know something about it sort of just bothered me in a way and I and I couldn't get myself out of that for this film. Um I think besides that too, one of the real things that 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 kind of bugged me is I mean you talked about like your expectation of this being a traditional revenge sort of fantasy film um and, and how it sort of plays with that. It felt weird to me that this film starts completely unrelated to the people of her past. Right? I mean it's not obviously it's not unrelated because this thing she came up with has to do with stuff that has happened in her past, but Mm. she has no target for her revenge that she's taking, right? She is just going out and hitting random guys around her city, which if you look at her notebook, I feel like statistically 
her plan no longer makes sense after a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. um, which is another thing that sort of bugged me. But I, but I think that like the first half of this film is is really unrelated plot wise to a lot of other things, right? If this is just a thing that she has come up with that she wants to do. And it's not a revenge fantasy because she's not taking revenge out on any one person. It's just a I'm going out and tricking people. And because the men that she tricks don't feel remorseful and I don't think that they've learned a lesson in in that interaction they just come away like some of them even say like oh you know you're a crazy bitch or whatever they say right like they they are not they are not realizing the errors of their way through this interaction so I don't understand what she gets from it other than a moment of power and like it, I, I just didn't understand what her character's motivation was halfway through the film she gets information that sort of targets her acts and then it sort of falls into that traditional um, realm of, of the type of film that you're talking about. But then for me, that film that it actually ends up being, it still feels like the things that she does to some of these people, like the, the severity level, like, I don't know, some, there's something weird where I like, I, it's hard for me to root for this character in what she's doing when I don't understand the specific motivation she's going for until everything is super, super targeted. And then when it is, it still doesn't feel as good as a film like Hard Candy, um, which is a film right. that like I really, really loved back in the day. Um, it's sort of like... Yeah, that's it, an interesting comparison. Yeah. yeah, it sort of misses that beat. And I don't know if it's just the tone that, that sort of weirds me out. But there's And there's stuff I can talk about specifically if we do have a spoiler segment, if we want to do that. Um, but yeah, just yeah. something about the film sort of didn't work for me i like carrie mulligan is great in this and she is doing like what she is like the work she's putting in this film is fantastic and like i i praise her for what she's doing here it's just the film as a whole felt sort of misguided i don't know it it felt like it it wasn't appropriately playing in this territory and wasn't making me think like it it didn't allow me to like it didn't do something and then make me want to evaluate the questions it was asking it was just going like look at this bad guy that's that's kind of why i made the joke about (laughs) the billy eilish song is because it was kind of just like bad guy bad guy bad guy bad guy and there was no like there was one character who we'll talk about in spoilers who sort of feels remorse and they're like not really i I don't know we'll we'll talk about it (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll talk about the specifics, but I, I get what you're saying, and I guess t- to that point, I would argue. So, of course, movie-wise, we are more on the side of Carrie Mulligan than we aren't, right? Like, we yeah, yeah. want to see comeuppance happen. I think it is fully intentional that the movie will have you be conflicted about why she is doing what she's doing and whether it is helpful or not and whether it's actually accomplishing anything. Like, I I think the movie very clearly tries to make you not know what to think there. Uh, So I like like for me, that was part of the movie being a little bit more daring is it wasn't just like like there are a few things. Well, we can talk more in spoilers now that we know we're going to have one, but I'm going to say like the character of Alison Brie, for instance, uh, there are times when I think we are meant to be very unclear how, how on the side of Carrie Mulligan we are. Um, And I, I think that is part of it where this is supposed to be a woman who has been, life has driven her to do this to people. And there is a kind of, righteous anger that powers it but that doesn't necessarily mean it is supposed to feel like hoorah you got the other bad guy you know like i think it is supposed and the fact that guys don't learn anything i think is also 
like for better or worse, it's clearly an intended side effect of this movie. Like uh, we hear, I'll, I'll say this part isn't spoilery just because like the characters introduced in the first like minute of the movie, uh, Adam Brody plays one of the first men that she encounters yeah. and we get to hear a follow-up about him later that kind of changes how you would perceive it from how you would perceive it only watching the opening of the movie. Uh, so like, I think the movie is very intentionally kind of deflating. So we, we can, I'll, in, in spoilers, yeah, let's I'll circle back I mean. to it just so I know exactly what yeah, you're yeah. saying. But. Yeah, sure. Um, there is at least one character in this movie that they are very intentionally complicating, which unfortunately is going to take spoilers to talk about though. Even there, I feel like they could have complicated more. Like that is my main criticism is I think they could have made, they could have made these people more remorseful and still refuse to forgive them. And I think that would have been a maybe more interesting tone for this moment that we're in. Um, yeah. But I do, I still think there is a lot going on here. Uh, I do think it is full on trying to be fun while also being serious. Like, I think it is trying to do both. Um, this is going to be a strange comparison because the subject matter is way more serious in this movie than what I'm about to compare it to. But it kind of, I had a little bit of memory of The Oath, the Ike Barinholtz movie from two years ago. Did you watch that? I did not. Of the, like, it's like people at, at Thanksgiving who have a political argument and then it, phrase into like increasing levels of violence and like that movie was interesting because it it started by trying to just be funny and then by the end it was actually rather intense and kind of surprising but it still be by virtue of having mostly comedy actors playing those roles it felt like it was trying to be funny even when it wasn't being funny and that like that that blurring of like humorous people in a not humorous situation is uh like disconcerting and that's yeah. true for almost all the guys here like i don't think it's a coincidence that the of the guys that are confronted you've got like sam richardson from veep christopher mintz plus from super bad you've got yeah. max greenfield from the new girl like these are people who are comedic actors and when they grovel and when they do these kind of whimpering things like they are very aware that it is supposed to be funny and over the top that they are doing this. Yeah, and which, that, uh, which is a weird, like, like in the in the yeah. trailer that we just played, there's that line where the Veep guy is running away and he's like, you guys ruined it for everyone. <laughs> and it's like, right. how, like, how are, like, the joke is look at this pitiful guy, right? And it's like, I, I like, I understand trying to juxtapose like that, that, that power dynamic of like having all the power then having none of the power and there is yeah. something gratifying about that. But like, because some of these th scenes are so prolonged before the confrontation happens, I'm like, okay, now what are you going to do with the confrontation? And it's really just like have a monologue and then cut away from however that si si right. situation resolves. And it's kind of like that, like, I want to know what the filmmaker thinks about that confrontation and what they would want, what Carrie Mulligan actually wants that man to know in that situation, not just how he's going to feel. Because to me, they, they, they seem to be getting the wrong message about what they're doing. Not that what they did was wrong, but that she tricked them. And that seems like mm. the wrong message. <laughs> See, yeah. So I think, I think the movie kind of wants you to nothing them. It wants you to do what she does, where I don't think she sets out every night of like, I am going to make these better people. 
she's going to say, I'm going to fucking ruin their night because fuck them. Like, and that's as far as it goes. That's what yeah. I th- like. Like, I think that is where she's at is she is at like, let's go hunting tonight. You know, I'm I, I want to get this out of my system again. And I kind of think that is the level that she views it and not I'm going to teach each of these individuals a grand lesson so they are better people in the end or to protect other people. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is why I think she's a complicated character because she's kind of, she's doing this not as some like secret alter ego where she is empowered, but as like a part of a life that is stuck in a rut. Like she's doing this and stuck in a rut for much of this movie and they are paralleled together because there are moments in this movie where she's feeling better and she is not doing this as much then. And so like, yeah. I, I don't know, the, mo- the movie is doing an interesting thing and then we can, we can talk about the ending and what it, what it tries to do there. But I, I think it wants to be a uneasy alliance between funny and cartoonish and also very serious and very believable. And I think that that roller coaster works on me, um, even though I do think it could... There are times when I think it has more bite and I would like to have seen more of that. Like, for instance, I think it is not a coincidence that she and Bo Burnham dance to a Paris Hilton song. Like, I like I think that is intentional, right? Of yeah. Like, this is like real things where guys really do get away with this shit, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. And like, I, I think the movie, the movie has a lot more that it lets kind of like simmer without going all out. And I'm happy for the restraint, but I would have also been happy with like a balls to the wall, kill bill type of movie. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I I think, I think for me, what it comes down to is I would rather watch, I'd rather have people watch a, a, a back to back triple feature of um, the full season of I may destroy you, uh, the assistant and hard candy. Mm -hmm. And I think that combination of things does everything this film wants to do a thousand times better. Like, in each of the genres that it's playing in. Um, and I think that this film, while like the performances are, are great and, and the, the scenes that are supposed to make you cringe accurately make you cringe. And the scenes that for some reason want to make you laugh accurately make you laugh. It's like, it's like this film is accomplishing everything it's setting out to do. It's just for me that what it is doing doesn't make me like, clap for for it at the end i'm kind of just like all right, right let's see what you try to do cool um yep so that's how i feel cool <laughs> yeah let, let, let's uh get into spoilers all right um so let's go ahead and uh for the people who are not going to stick with us into spoilers let's go ahead and give them our verdict steven um if you were going to give us a must see reckon with a caveat wait for until pass with a caveat or a must avoid what would you give it uh, I'm still giving this a must-see. I thought this was like a a fun, taut, provocative enough movie that like it. That I was always on the edge of my seat. I was always interested in what the filmmaker was doing. It's anchored by one very, very, very good performance and at least two like really good performances. Like there, there's a lot on screen uh, that is worth watching, and I think the subject it tackles is, you know, worth discussing. I, I think there's room for the dower there's room for the assistant and this movie and they are both doing things in very different ways and yeah. i'm happy to have like a landscape of movies that are like that so even <laughs> though th- this wouldn't have been my like you know number one film of the year like i know some people are really really championing this movie um i don't feel quite that strongly about it but i do i felt like i did with thoroughbreds where i, I was just like okay this is the kind of movie that is not giving a fuck and i i enjoy the <laughs> fact that it's letting loose nice um, I, 
I'm sure I'm sure it's going to result in some comments, but I'm going to give this a wait for rental. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, there's parts of it that I, parts about this film that I liked, but I don't think it handles the subject matter with enough uh, conversations spawning sort of whatever. I can't think of the word to describe right now, but basically I think that this is sort of is dipping its toe in something that it's not actually interested in providing commentary on, but more just like trying to make you feel something in the moment. Um, and it succeeds in that, but it's like, I want something more from a film that is touching this material, um, than what I got from it. So for me, it's going to be a wait for rental. Um, I'm, it's hard for me to sell it on the $20 price point that it was to, to rent it. Um, so for me, wait till it's not $20. Mm. Fair. Uh, but yeah, that is going to do it for the uh, non-spoiler segment of this review. For anybody who doesn't want to stick into spoilers, Stephen, do you want to let them know where they can find you throughout the week? Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Promising Young Woman, so hopefully you're enjoying that. And uh, yeah, that music's playing right now. It's going to fade up. We're going to take a little break here, and then when that music fades down, we're going to be in full-blown spoilers, so please stick with us if you want to know um, our thoughts on some of the things that we were sort of alluding to in the earlier part of the episode. So we are back. This is spoiler territory. Um, it is the after part of our review of Promising Young Woman. And uh, we're going to be talking full-blown spoilers for that film, including uh, the ending, which uh, I'm sure lots of people are going to be talking about. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah. So here we go. Um, Stephen, there was something that you mentioned in the first part of the episode that you sort of, like, yeah. danced around. Do you remember? Yeah, Adam Brody's character. Uh, so so basically, you know, that I don't know about you. I had not seen the trailer, right? So I I experienced the movie in the order that it presented information, which yeah. meant I knew this is a revenge flick. Like it was clear, you know, just from the way people talked about this movie that that was going to happen. Um, when she surprises Adam Brody and then it cuts to her eating the hot dog, you know, the next day, <laughs> yeah. she's got ketchup running down her arm and she has like a book with markers where she has blue marker and a red marker and yeah. she does like a red line. Um, in that moment, in terms of how over the top this movie was going to be, I was full on in, she is murdering these guys level of this is how extreme the movie is getting. Certainly she is doing something horrendous. You know, she is girl with the dragon tattooing them. Like she's doing a thing that will make them never behave this way again. Yeah. yeah. Um, later when she is with Sam Richardson, he just exclaims, you know, oh, you're that crazy girl that so-and-so went home with the other week. So, like, the, the movie makes it clear whatever she was doing was nowhere near as heavy or aggressive as what the movie, like, was letting you imagine she might be doing in the beginning. Yeah. And that's what I mean about the movie, like, holding its cards close to the chest. Like, it starts by seeming like, hey, this girl is murdering people, and then slowly peels back to the point where it's like, no, she's actually just, like 
she's mostly just making things uncomfortable for them for a minute and then walking away. And yeah. I think that like that was an interesting kind of switcheroo that the movie did. Well, yeah. So I, I, I saw a, a, a quick little video conversation with the writer director on like variety or something um, where she talked about it was a very conscious choice of theirs to make sure to not show any physical violence up until the mm-hmm. final scene. Um, yeah. And it was like, a, a, I don't remember ex- her, the exact rationale, but it was just like, it was a conscious thing of like, we're not going to show anything. We're going to let it all exist in this thing. And then we're going to show you the, the most extreme violence we can and have it be like a prolonged shot where you're with it for the whole time. Um, right. Like apparently they asked somebody who like how long it takes to suffocate a person. And they're like, oh, like two and a half minutes. So they made sure to make the scene to, like exactly that long, specifically yeah. so that you feel that entire process there. Um, but I'm, I'm skipping ahead. We'll talk about that scene <laughs> maybe in a little yep. bit. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I think I, I, I alluded to that same, the, the other stuff that you just brought up, um, that whole like, oh, you're the one, you're the crazy chick that, you know, Jerry took home or whatever. Like th- that aspect of the film, I don't know. It, it, it still comes back to me wanting to, like she has to have a motive for why she's confronting these men, right? And it's either so that they know that what they're doing is wrong, which she doesn't seem to be succeeding at, or she is trying to be like a superhero who goes to bars and if there are drunk women, she acts more drunk so that the guys take her home instead of the other people, right? And there's no evidence that it's the second one, right? It's only like the only motive I can think of for doing this is to, to teach these guys a lesson. And there is no moment in this film where I feel like any of those guys she confronts thinks anything other than she's crazy, right? And, and it seems like just a weird... We, because she's she has done this i didn't i i almost like went back through like my yeah, like rental hundreds of times yeah it's 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 oh i mean the the inciting event took place 10 years ago and she says she does it every weekend we don't know if she does it multiple times a weekend or just a single time so obviously it's 520 <laughs> times right. that she's done this right um uh so that is that's a lot of 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 something for somebody to have an, an a non-defined mo in doing right like if she has a goal in doing this and maybe it could just be that like that's the biggest rush she feels in the world is that moment where she sits up and tells right, the guy the, that the she's power not turn yeah like yeah like it, changing of power yeah yeah like maybe this is a a a uh, female centric version of um the hurt locker right? <laughs> it's like she's she's just she's just chasing that rush of potentially things exploding in her face right um and i i would totally be down for that movie if i understood that as the motivation of the character but in this film i don't understand her motivation um and i think that's really the thing that bothers me yeah so i think my sense of the movie is it it would be wrong to say she is teaching these guys a lesson. For some reason, I feel like there's a difference between teaching them a lesson and scaring them into maybe not doing this again in the future. Not because they have become better people or they've learned something about themselves, but because now that haunting feeling that at any moment this might backfire on them might be enough to keep them from having the confidence or whatever to go and do it a second time. Like that, that is kind of the sense that I got is she just wants to undermine them. Like she wants to give them, give them a somewhat traumatic 
night yeah. to you know make them less likely to do it in the future combined with enjoying the power twi dynamic of like being able to be there and stop it uh, yeah. as a kind of like getting to do what she couldn't do uh, in the actual moment back 10 years ago yeah yeah, yeah. so i do want to talk about the i mean there are a few places to go uh like like we could talk about Alison Brie. Alison Brie is an example of a character who I think she is complicit. And then the movie goes above and beyond in making her say very specific lines and make excuses for other people in a way that like it, it brought her beyond complicit into kind of cartoonish. And those are some of the situations where I feel like they could, they could have held back and it would still be interesting to watch her do this to her. But that is another example too, where the movie lets you believe she may have allowed a horrible thing to happen to her and later reveals like, no, she was actually not, you know, not really crossing any moral lines or anything. Yeah. Uh, which is a, it's still again, an interesting twist of the movie, but still like if you, you know, there, there's, there's another film in a different genre that we've reviewed several years back that involves also potentially letting somebody believe something is the case. Um, and I would mm -hmm, argue that sure. like when you convince somebody that you did that to them, there's not really a difference in you having right. done that to them, right? Like it's, you yeah. have, you have caused that action to take place for that person and thus you've caused it to happen, right? It, 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 like I, right. I feel like, I feel like later on just going like, oh no, it's fine. It didn't actually happen. Um, that was just a total plant and I wanted you to think that that happened, um, but it didn't. I, she doesn't even admit to that. She still just right. feels like, oh, no, you were just in a bad place. So I had my friend like put you in a bed and watch you to make sure you didn't like choke on your own vomit or something. Right. It, it's yeah. it's she's still letting yeah, and her. You are not supposed to be with Carrie Mulligan in, in this moment. Right. Like I think Alison Brie becomes the voice of the audience there. Yeah. Where she still says, like, I never contact me again. And, and, and here's 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 kind of the, the worst problem about that scene is from the text of this film, there are no nice guys. In order to trust somebody to take your drunk friend and place them in a bed and watch them without doing anything to them, you have to believe that there are nice guys. The text of this film says there are no nice guys. So she is just giving herself plausible deniability that nothing happened to her when in the text of this film, something probably did happen to her. <laughs> See, I don't know. I don't know that in the text of the film, there are no nice guys. I, I think, I mean, we can talk about the Bo Burnham character who is the best argument for what you're saying. Uh, but other than that, this is a self-selecting group, you know, like the, the men that we see her confronting are all the set of people who would pick her up when she is acting drunk at, at a bar. Like the movie does not want to show you any guys being nice, yeah. which is fine. But that doesn't make me think there can't exist a trustworthy man in the, you know, in the language of the movie. It de definitely seemed to me as though, like, even ones that start off seeming nice, they're not allowed to, I guess the father character is the only person who is, like, genuinely a good yeah. man. Um, <laughs> and we wouldn't know that if it weren't for, like, the, the post-dinner scene where he's talking about, like, it's nice to see her actually, like, happy and being social and stuff like that, where it's like he cares about her, yeah. like, a lot. So, I don't know. Yeah. So let, let's talk about Bo Burnham, because I think 
I think Bo Burnham is a very interesting case in this movie where I, I had to assume he was going to turn at some point. I didn't know how yet. I didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but it just, it, it seemed like things were too good to be true. Yeah. Um, and like, so he's very charming in this movie, you know, doing his full on Bo Burnham shtick. Yeah. His um, spit take. <laughs> yeah. I really, I really enjoyed the spit take. Um, <laughs> but uh, in general, you know, he has this courtship with her that is really, really nice. He seems like a sweet, charming guy. The movie makes a point of showing that he definitely respects her boundaries and he will not do anything without her consent. And, you know, he, he, he's very much a nice forgiving guy in the movie. Yeah. And then after devoting a lot of time to making us, you know, fall in love with their relationship together, like him being great with her parents and them having their, you know, song and dance in the pharmacy, um, we find out that he is in that video. And, you know, he's maybe not an active participant in things, but he is clearly willing to be just saying, oh, this is so crazy, ha ha ha, and like not doing anything else about it. Yeah. I think there, and this is where I feel like the movie could have been more provocative if it wanted to be. In that moment, they could have had him be just apologetic. Like, oh my God, that is the worst thing I've ever done. I I could say it was a long time ago. I could tell you that I was young and stupid. I, I could say all that, but like, I can't justify what I did. I've changed. I'm, I'm really sorry. And it would be so much more interesting to me to have her grapple with that and still say, fuck you in the end. I feel like that would be a way more interesting turn than what the movie does with him, which is make him get very defensive and then start yelling at her. And then it becomes easier to hate him. But no, and I would that... have been interested if the movie made it very hard to feel if the movie didn't give you any reason to hate him and then still tells you to hate him anyway. I think but, that would have been a much more interesting twist. But that's not the reason to hate him. The reason to hate him mm. is once she's gone missing, is him still protecting the men. That is the moment sure, yeah. you're so, supposed so to So he goes even further. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, no matter what happens in that first scene, like, no matter what happens, whether he has an excuse or not, he is still he is grappling with the loss of this relationship because of something he did in the past, right? So he, they are both dealing with that. And th this film is not concerned at all with can a person change over 10 years or 50 years or whatever. That's not a conversation this film even wants to have. So they are just, they're just dealing with the catastrophic end of this relationship and how nothing can happen there. He like whether he explodes or does whatever, you can always just say like, oh, well, you know, both of them are just mad in this moment and they're they're whatever. But it's really later on when he still protects them that it's like there's there's literally no way to redeem this character now. Like you can't. No, even, no, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, yeah I, I agree. They go to even further lengths to make him unredeemable yeah. later. I just, if I were. Like, like if I wanted this movie to make me as uncomfortable as possible, I would make him say all the things that you would expect a male viewer who had been in that situation 10 years ago yeah. to say. You would want a conversation where the audience could potentially walk away being like, I, 
I mean, he makes a good point. Like, he has been really nice, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then still make you hate him anyway or yeah. make her still destroy him. Um, and it, I get, like, Joanne and I were talking about this last night. Like, it, sometimes movies don't need to complicate things even more and challenge you even more. Like, maybe the yeah. purpose of this is to just make the villains very, very clear so you can feel their comeuppance more. I I just thought that was an interesting opportunity because they teed him up as such a nice guy to muddy the waters a little bit. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like that was a missed opportunity to let the nice guy be a nice guy and still make you say fuck you in the end. I yeah, think that yeah. would have been more, maybe more interesting. Yeah, I, I think for me, in all these type of stories, I always want the gray. I want you to challenge me and make me feel sympathetic for the person instead of saying fuck you, right? Like, yeah. it, it shouldn't be a clear fuck you. Like, if it is, that's too easy and too... Um, too it's just too neatly wrapped up in a bow. Like, you want to watch a thing and be like... I mean, I know that I'm supposed to think this thing, but I kind of think this thing, right? You know, like you, you want to be mm-hmm. challenged that way where you don't want to speak it out loud, right? Like, because then it's the thing that actually makes you grapple with the situation instead of being like, oh man, Rip Bo Burnham. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, because like, cause for us watching the film, the change is that we just watched like the greatest romantic comedy of all time for 20 minutes and then now it's all ruined. And like, we're more concerned over the fact that it's over than we are about what was happening in that video. Um, and also going back to like to the tone of the film and the way things work and like me seeing the strings behind everything and, and kind of taking me out of, of the thing. Like I would almost like, obviously I don't want the filmmaker to recreate that scene and make us watch it. Right. But if she's watching it and then she pauses it and then like turns it around and you see him in the crowd, I think that's, better than this weird staged he's standing right next to the microphone so you can definitely tell it's his dialogue that's coming like there was something there was some artifice to to that reveal for me where she's watching it and it's a bunch of chatter where you almost can't hear individual people talking and then all of a sudden Bo Burnham is just like oh man this is so wild (laughs) right well I I was thinking at first that he was supposed to be filming it but then the movie makes it clear that it wasn't yeah yeah, it's the other friend that was not the case yeah But yeah, should we go on to uh, the the climax of the film? <laughs> sure, yeah. Of the that so first of all, do do you think she went to that party intending specifically to be killed, or do you think she went intending to hurt this guy and knowing that being killed was a possibility, and so she like just prepared for both? So. So one of the one of the things that came up in that video that I watched today um, with the, the filmmaker was that the original draft of the film ended at the fire pit um, with them burning mm-hmm. the body. So none of that ending existed in the first draft of the film. Um, yeah. So whether or not that can answer the question, <laughs> I feel like it does seem like she she had her goal and she didn't really care what happened to her. Like it was like clearly this is a person who is sort of like maybe the only time, like maybe I'm answering my question from earlier in the episode. Maybe literally the only time she feels alive is in this moment where there is like actual danger for her. Um, Mm -hmm. And she was like, Hey, I'm going to go here. I'm going to drug all these guys. I'm going to carve Nina's name all over this guy's body 
so he will like literally not be able to like like you can't hide that from right. from your your wife that you're about to get married to um it, it's going to be a thing that he will have to deal with both the the trauma of the situation having it happen to him and also the like leftover literal scars that are going to be there that are going to have to remind him all the time and she was like if anything happens to me i really just don't care because this is yeah. my like you know this is my masterpiece <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, glorious bastards callback. <laughs> yeah, because there there is definitely a um, th- there's a poetic nature to how it does go down that seems premeditated. Of course, like the you know scheduled texts and everything only make it more more seem that way. You know, like she's a saw villain or something who who planned this out all ahead of time. <laughs> yes. um, but like the the notion of her real way of getting revenge is to make him be recognized for the murderer that she already believes him to be, you know? Yeah. And, and like, there's some, something very interesting about that where it's simultaneously a revenge, you know, a revenge flick, but it's also, she is literally destroying herself in the process of doing this. And that, I, I don't know that that was interesting. I almost wanted there to be something to tip its hand of like, she intentionally only really secured one of the handcuffs or like, like she did something to allow for oh, this to happen. Um, yeah. So, but, so, yeah. so for me, which is, you know, I'm just going to jump on all kinds of landmines, but <laughs> I, I, I feel like we know, we know this dude is capable of bad things, right? But if a person shows up to your party, drugs, 20 guys, ties you to a bed and then comes at you with a scalpel. Like that's a very, very clear and obvious, uh, self-defense argument for like that, that this particular like interaction. Right. So, so that is one, one sad thing is like, if he got off the, you know, uh, assault charges from before, he would probably get off this too. Like there probably would well, be enough. But that's, that's, what, an I'm, argument that's what I'm saying is unless, unless like if somebody came into my apartment right now and they drugged everyone on this floor and then tried to assault me with a, a scalpel and I took them out, I'm not going to jail. Like, like now if it turned out that I hit somebody with my car and that per like if, 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 if something, some other thing came to light because of this interaction, then yeah, it totally makes sense that like I can maybe now be in trouble for the other thing. But it feels like she showed up to a place, took out a bunch of people, and then to all this guy knows he's about to die. Like he, he's not going to be like, oh, well, she's just going to carve a name into my chest. It's probably okay. I'll let her do it. Right. He is like, it's a, it's a weird situation to create when like, if he if there was a phone next to the bed and he just picked up the phone and called nine one one and was like, um, yeah, like this chick showed up to my my bachelor party and drugged every single person at the party except for me and then tried to kill me with a scalpel and I suffocated her to death with a pillow. I I I think like context out of this story, just those those events taking place. I think it's pretty clear that he's going to get off as self defense. I will. I I think it's likely he would. I think it will still ruin his life, and I think that that's maybe one of the interesting things because he's still always going to be the person who everyone knows, you know, smothered this woman, who like 
also by virtue of her story what he did 10 years ago is coming out too. So like it's yeah, complicated, but, but there's, but yeah, there's it isn't no, totally clear that he would be, there's no guarantee that that other story would come out. Right. Though they did hide the body too. So that is for yeah, sure. Yeah, no, no, yeah. So I, I'm saying at the point that he lifts the pillow off her head and she's dead. Like if they immediately call the police and don't try to like, once they hide the body, it's, they murdered her. Right. There's no, mm-hmm. but because Bo Burnham doesn't say that's where she was going and doesn't give up that information. Like basically if Bo, if Bo, Bo Burnham just has like, um, I think she was going to this house to confront these guys about something that took place 10 years ago, the cat's out of the bag. Right. But in a world mm-hmm. where everybody like Bo Burnham is the only person that knows what's going on. Right. Everyone else, except for the guy himself has no clue what they just know that they got drugged and they, they woke up. Right. So as long as there, there's evidence of her having drugged 20 people and then attacking this guy with the scalpel, it just seems like, I don't know. I, like, I'm not, I, I also, I mean, I, I'm not we, defending we him. Get too, yeah, we don't need to get too into the legal details, but I still, there's a difference between self-defense and I, like self-defense would mean I have reason to believe if I don't continue doing this right now that I'm going to die. And I feel like the moment he has his hand free, that is no longer true in that situation at all. I mean, she um, still has scalpels, right? He, he can't leave the bed. He has one hand free, so he can defend himself a little bit, but it's still like, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it seems like you could have made that. Like that scene was constructed because the filmmaker wanted to go from having no violence depicted ever to seeing this man snuff the life out of a woman. Um, and I think that while that visual is very, very striking and controversial and makes you like freak out a little bit when you see it happening, I feel like you could have changed the scenario, still have her die, but have it be more like more. Right. Like, like she, she pulls more of what she did on Bo Burnham where she's threatening to out this to everyone and like send the video to his future wife or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then have him do something that is clearly on its own above and beyond the level of self-defense. I just mean from a legal standpoint, Mm -hmm. like, like the one time, like the film is so black and white on everything. And then it forgets that the scenario it's set up is kind of black and white. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Boy, you Jeremy Renner, because you do, you do like uh, (laughs) walking over to landmines. No, it is it was just the thing that like I couldn't I couldn't help but like I hear no I hear you I hear you like it's it's like yeah just call the authorities immediately and explain the situation you don't even have to lie right like you tell the exact truth of what actually took place and there's a clear defense case to be made for this girl showed up I thought she was a stripper turned out she really wanted to kill me right <laughs> I don't know it just. You got to love, though, the the ease with which his friend, like, just helps him hide the body. Like, no, 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 it's not your fault, man. Of course. Everything's oh. fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. His friend's fucked up. Especially because the friend <laughs> doesn't have the context for what that situation was, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's just like, yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> man, when he starts to like, <sighs> come on, come on, chick, we got to get you out of here. <laughs> and he's like, fuck, she dead. Ugh. I, I I did I did I did like the tone though of the 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 schedule of texts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. 
Yeah. Oh, that that's the thing. That's the one last thing I want to talk about is the the lawyer guy. Um Yeah, Alfred Molina. Yeah, the one person who actually feels remorse about everything before he sees the video, right? He's just like mm-hmm. he has no context other than he like for him he was just doing his job, but he had a some sort of mental break where he like everything came back and he was like shit. I hate my life. I can't believe I've been doing this. Why is he the one person who learned something? Because she, she's letting him redeem himself. Yeah, I don't know why he's the one. Um, also, she was definitely hiring a thug to beat the shit out of that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wonder if the guy was supposed to beat him up or like he probably wasn't supposed to kill him. Um, yeah, like yet another moral... Um, morally questionable thing that she did in her quest to uh you know make all these people feel remorse but that is also i feel like that is also the moment when you kind of understand what she is about because she forgives him um and up until that moment it isn't totally clear that that would have been a thing that she did or if she was just out to get revenge um and i so i feel like that that whole scene is very interesting like it for one, the tone just grinds to a halt. Like, it completely changes. Like, he is behaving nothing like you would expect anyone in that moment to be behaving. And it's just a very interesting, interesting couple minutes. Yeah. Any last thoughts, Stephen? <laughs> nope. Nope, I'm good. Cool. Um, well, I think that's going to do it then for our review of Promising Young Woman. Can't wait for the comments. <laughs> Bye. Mm-hmm.